0: Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 125, and our guest is David Newbold. David is a singer and songwriter originally from Toronto, who now makes his home in Nashville. He has seven official releases under his belt, from full-length studio albums to EPs to live recordings. His music has been featured in TV shows and films such as Criminal Minds and Dawson's Creek. His latest in a line of wonderful records was released last year. It is called Power Up, and it's been on heavy rotation during my morning commute. This was such a pleasure to record, y'all. It gives me great joy to bring you my conversation with David man. Thanks for doing it. So I'm looking forward to, we made it happen. I'm looking forward to, thanks for your patience. And I'm looking forward to talking to you. Oh,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Extremely cool. Um, I, so I've been spending a lot of time with your music and specifically power up. And, um, I, you know, doing research for this, I was, uh, I always try to dive as deep as I can into a guest's, uh, discography. And then also whatever I can find press wise and so forth. And, um, you know, as I was going through there, I didn't find a lot about sort of like, you know, sort of like your origin as a musician, kind of like the origin story of, of you as a musician. Um, and like when you started playing music and, and was it all around you as a kid? Um, like starting there, if we could just kind of going backwards and, and kind of getting a sense of when, what music was like for you growing up.
1: Sure. Well, um, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, I didn't come from a particularly musical family. Like, my grandmother played piano all her life, and she taught and all that. But outside of that, it was a fairly tone-deaf household. Um, <laughs> this is in I grew up in Toronto. In Canada. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, my mother, had, at some point, she came home from a garage sale with an old beat-up nylon string guitar when I was probably four or five and I didn't I didn't have too much interest in that. And I started playing piano around eight or nine. Um, but I think what really started it was uh singing in church in a school choir and church choir for about three, four years, between the mm-hmm. age of about nine and twelve. I developed a a great love of singing and then um stuff on the radio starting around the age of nine or ten, I really took to um my folks split up when I was nine and uh it really sent me to I got I got pretty lost pretty quick and I found salvation pretty quickly in like radio and music and Mm. started from there and then I started playing drums I was a really passionate drummer from the ages of about 10 till 13 or 14 and um just just playing along with my records and started a band with a couple of friends and then eventually I kind of switched to playing guitar and, uh, all mostly throughout my teenage years, I was all about playing guitar and not singing, not writing songs, just, just playing guitar. And then, mm. yeah. And then, um, probably when I discovered guys like Neil Young and Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, you know, people like that, I realized there was, there was more to it even than just playing guitar. Yeah. And, uh, so I I uh I just immersed myself in that ever since then. I moved. I don't know how fast you want me to go.
0: <laughs> well, I'm so yeah, let, let's stop for a second because I'm I'm interested in in that the drumming part. And I did catch that. it may have been on the Americana Station podcast. Shout out to Will Payne Harrison and the Americana Station podcast. Uh yeah. you were on there with India Ramy. It was a wonderful listen. And um it may have been there that I that I heard, or maybe I read somewhere else that you had kind of really played a lot of drums um, as a as a young person. How much do you think that informs your songwriting? Because like when I listen to your music, like, and we're gonna get a little bit more into this later, but especially with Power Up, um, there is a, a driving sound to it. There's a driving feeling to it, and I, I wonder how much that. Uh, growing up playing drums how much that impacted your songwriting maybe later you know consciously i don't know but um
1: subconsciously probably because i can't uh, you know i i started with like well early on pop radio when i was 9 10 but pretty soon into into you know kind of hard rock rock and roll and um Mm -hmm. and i've always i've always uh you know, I guess that's always been part of my origin story. Is that so? It it it's it never stays too uh soft for too long. I guess you know I like to I like to play acoustic guitar and have a sort of dialogue going on in the songs. But there's always kind of an under underlying force that I kind of like or movement. And plus, with this record, Scott Sachs produced it, and he played most of the drums on it and uh you know he's a headstrong drummer and so a lot of it there was even a few songs where i came in i was like, well maybe we should just try this train beat and he goes how about this <laughs> I like, yeah the boom bop boom pop really seems to be working for me yeah yeah but uh it, it
0: is really working for you it is really working for you and I, I think you know the especially as i was like going through your whole catalog Um, there's more of that on this to me, uh, you know, quite a bit more of that on this, on this record, power up the most recent record and, um, and it lends itself like a, um, you know, power up is, is a a quarantine record, right? It's, it's one, um, that was, that was made and somewhat written during quarantine. And so many of those are beautiful pieces of art, but they're also really hard, you know, they're really difficult to listen to. And you did such a good job with like taking on kind of these really tough things and these heavy, heavy themes at times. And it doesn't feel like that. It just sonically, it's just like, kind of feels like I want to get up and move my, move my body. You know I mean? I want to shake it around a little bit and I do, and I'm in the car and I'm, I'm singing and I'm, I'm dancing around. But at the same time, you're, you know, you're juxtaposing that with such heavy themes and, uh. Certainly not the first person to do that, but the way that you did it with this particular, at this particular time in this particular space is um, is really really cool, and uh, I'm really glad that it came out that way because it, it takes this something that could otherwise be kind of difficult to palette and and not and it doesn't make it that way. It makes it something I want to shake my ass to. Uh,
1: thanks, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I, I was kind of freed, I think, by the fact that well, a I, I didn't go. I didn't go into it like other records where I've said, okay, I'm making this record. I'm going to release it. We're going to try to do this and that with it. I didn't even know, like I had, I sort of, I had the collection of songs that I wanted to do um, that evolved, you know, some were hanging out from earlier and some were written during the time. Um, But I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know really I was going to release it. We really just started messing around just out of, well, I wouldn't say boredom, but I mean, you know, everyone was quarantined. My son and his two girls are close to the same age. So I went over several times so they could sort of have play dates. Mm. Um, and we would just hang out outside and, and we just started kind of messing around. And we did the actual song power up. And uh, and it was so much it was just so kind of outside of the box. And yeah. uh, I thought. Hey, well, I got these other songs I've been not sure what to do with. You want to try to cut a couple? And he said, "Sure," because like we didn't have anything else to do, you know. Yeah. Um, so we just slowly turned his garage into a studio. As it, you know, the further it went, the more I was like, "This is really a record." But I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. Uh, I was just, we were just, just kind of doing it just for ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, I realized this was something I should do something with and put it out. So, and, you know, he was just, uh, I think he had that excitement of his his garage being turned into a studio and just being able to kind of let loose with all of his different, uh, he's really into percussive elements. And it was, it was, it was cool for me too. It opened, it opened me up a lot and I ended up building my own studio um, the next summer. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was good. It was, it was fun. Yeah
0: and weird. I love that. And I love those moments that we all found during that time. Not to, I don't want to go too deep into pandemic talk today, but, but I do love that anytime you can find, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fucking pandemic. <laughs> time you can find, you know, a, a time and place to, to be able to sort of get yourself out of those routines, get yourself out of a space where you're doing things the same way or doing things in a similar way or approaching your craft in the same way or a similar way, so much good comes out of that, and trying and finding ways to capture those moments. I think that's something lately I haven't been doing a great job of because I've been distracted by other things. Right, as some of the things I, I talked to you about uh, when we were setting this up, and it's just like. I need to be more intentional, right? When, when things are not necessarily just like, here's this situation where you can get outside the box, um, right. finding ways to be more intentional about creating spaces where you can make stuff that maybe is challenging you in some way that you didn't, that you wouldn't otherwise seek out.
1: Yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, because a lot of what, like a lot of the things we came up with, were limited by the fact that we were not even in the same room. Essentially, like we built a uh, a barricade and a and a thick uh, plexiglass window, so we kind of had to do things like backing vocals. We'd sort of each go to the edge of the plexiglass and kind of put a microphone in the middle of it and just kind of yell what we were doing from side to side. Cause his wife is a, a cardiologist. See, so we were being extra careful mm. seeing patients every day. We really, yeah. we really weren't messing around in that regard. Um, so yeah, yeah it, I see what you're saying. You're, you're talking about like, so when you're limit, when you have limitations, uh, you get some great results. And so, but when you're not forced to have limitations, you kind of need to you need to seek out these these limitations or seek out.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a professor in, in law school. I had this like class with this public speaking class. And um, it was great because it was super easy. A, eh, And and uh, I like talking. So um, but uh, we were in this class and she always she would frequently say and she was referring specifically to having your speech written. Um, And she would say like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having your talking points and there's nothing wrong with having it written out, but you're probably better off without your blankie, right? Mm -hmm. It's a comfort thing to have it up there. You know, that fucking speech, right? You know, it, it's just that you're now kind of limiting yourself in terms of your cadence, you're limiting yourself in terms of the way that you enunciate you're you're thinking more about re- reading the words on the page or hitting all those points instead of just sort of allowing yourself to, to, to give the speech you need to give. And I think a similar thing is true for creation in general, where like, there's nothing wrong with having the blankie, you know, or having the normal routine. It's just that so often when we get outside of that routine, we already have the skill. You've got the muscles, right? You've got the musical muscles. And so to get outside of that, whatever it normally looks like that you're making a thing and to, to, to put yourself in a space where it's coming a lot more from here, I mm-hmm. think, um, than it is from say here.
1: Yeah. A- and, uh, I-, I learned a lot about that, doing this record with Scott, um, because, um, A, cause of the limitations B cause of, well, the time limitations too. So I like to do things quickly now when I record and I've been recording in here and playing everything myself, which of course brings a whole different element mm. to, things I've done before too. And I like, I like, um, I like uh, the better I am on the particular instrument, the faster I like to record it. Like for instance, you know, I'll play the drums and it might take me a couple of times. till I feel I've got it good enough. And then the guitar, I like to just do it before I even really know the song too well, just kind of get down, just kind of move with it and then move on because it's like, you're saying you can spend forever, you know, Getting it just right, um, but I like to I like to sort of just go in and try to get it done and just have it be human, you know. I, I, and yeah. I think a lot of that came from like the situation we did with this record, where because we had a lot of it would be like, okay, we're gonna try to get the guitars for this song today, but at two o'clock, you know, we gotta go pick up our kids from their pod or whatever. So there were a lot of <laughs> yeah. there were a lot of takes where like I'd say, okay, let me do it. Let me put a background vocal on this, and he'd, he'd hit he'd hit record. And I'd sing the thing and I'd finish, say Scott, Scott. And he'd already like gone upstairs and left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's gonna be the take. Because next time I'm here, we're gonna want to do something else.
0: Yeah. Um, this is kind of an aside, but as you were talking about it, uh made me think of um something I noticed that I've that I started doing <laughs> since I've been listening to this record, is I just say power up as if it's a phrase that we all use. I just sort of like in, in conversation with somebody will be like, all right, yeah, power up, man, power up if it fits the moment. And I didn't do it consciously. It wasn't like me going like, I'm going to steal David's, uh, idea. I just was sort of like, it's become a part of my nomenclature, which I think is super fun.
1: Oh, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: and people sort of, na- people well, get it hard, too. It? <laughs> you know, huh
1: the goal of any song isn't it to right
0: you're just sort of part of yeah you're a part of my little slice of of the culture at least you're a part of it and uh your language is a part of it i just tell people power up man power up <laughs> and they get it it doesn't it doesn't need explanation <laughs> everybody just gets it <laughs> um let's let's rewind a little bit because we were talking about sort of your musical um upbringing and so forth and uh i can relate I, I talked to somebody i'm trying to think who it was recently but i had someone on the show recently who had a similar situation where like for me, music is such a huge. I, th- I think about this a lot. Like music is such a huge part of my life. Um, I you know I I obviously do the podcast. I listen to a ton of music. I write I write songs as a hobby. It's a huge part of my life, and yet there were no instruments around my house. There there were records at my grandmother's house, but just a small collection of mostly classic country. Uh, we listened to the radio a lot, but it wasn't like I had an uncle, you know, an uncle who was really hyper into music and, or like an older brother who was giving me records or whatever. And so I'm, I'm interested in that, just like connecting with you on that level about like, once you, so you, you're, you're, you, you get the bug. It sounds like you're playing a bunch of different instruments, learning different instruments. And then you moved to New York city as a very young man. Was that a musical decision Were you like going to chase the big city fame?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, Well, it didn't originate that within the span of about 15 minutes, it went from one thing to that. that. (laughs) uh, Well, the full story of that is I had a a really dear friend throughout high school and um, she uh, we were we were finishing high school. We were graduating at the same time and she was moving to out to british columbia to move there with a guy that she was kind of involved with and starting a whole new life adventure i remember us sitting on the bleachers at her high school one night uh and she was telling me about this and i was thinking i gotta do something like this i just can't stay here anymore and all the reasons that i it was kind of one of those decisions that just suddenly hit me in the face and i realized i'd been coming to it for probably a year or two without actually realizing it, you know, like I, I'd, I'd had a band, a couple of bands, they just kept dissolving. It was hard to find the drummer that the drummer we played was very serious about, it, but we, we couldn't find anyone else who just would take it seriously enough, really. Yeah. And it, it dissolved. And and I are started, these all
0: people around your age? Are they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah classmates yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Classmates and friends and people who, you know, thought being in a band would be cool. And it was, but after a while, the, the work part of it, i was all about rehearsing you know trudging to gigs lugging all the gear setting up like the whole thing was just perfect for me you know but people don't want to practice always they don't want to play you know shitty bars for too long and i had no problem with it (laughs) um yeah yeah but uh yeah and then i just started getting into different stuff and and um and uh i just felt it was time for i needed to go and start I, I just I just felt I need to go and start my like adult life elsewhere. And then and then uh, New York was the obvious choice for me because all my sort of songwriting, singer songwriter heroes had all gone through there. It wasn't mm-hmm. that far away from Toronto's, about 10, 11 hours. And I had the most key part was I had a distant family relative, not that distant, but a second cousin, my parents age. Who live there, and they said I could come stay with them for a couple of weeks. Oh, so, right on! It's going somewhere without knowing anybody is very intimidating. If you sort of know one person, that that helps a lot. Um, so I just did that, and um, yeah. So to answer the question, yeah, at first I just thought I need to go somewhere, and then I thought I need to go somewhere and just start start a whole new career because it's just kind of dead ending
0: here. At, do you? Where do you think office? that? yeah, where, where do you think that you know, to hear you say that you like you were into the to the rehearsing, you were into the lugging, the gear. you know, you were into the 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 parts of the the work that aren't as aren't as glamorous. you were into that stuff. Where do you think that came from? Like what was the spark for that? or did you have like a work ethic already of some sort, sort of a hard scrabble to you or? Was there something about that particular work that appealed to you?
1: Yeah, I didn't really have a work ethic at all, except for <laughs> music, like at all. Uh. I still don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except for music. Except for except me. music. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, it was just the world that I wanted to be part of. It was just what I wanted to do. And I recognized even if I was lugging an amp up a cold flight of stairs trying to get into a you know through like a snow ra- over a ramp covered in icy snow to a venue you know that was just i just that was what i wanted to be doing so i just kind of recognized that that was part of it and compared to what i was doing all the other hours of the day which was basically wishing i could be somebody else doing something else not mm. doing what i'm supposed to be doing uh it was you know I don't know. Glamorous, not glamorous, glorious. It was just.
0: Fulfilling. It sounds like, cause I think like one of the things that, you know, I I've developed a work ethic just kind of generally speaking now, but it took me until probably my thirties to get there late twenties at least, but probably my early thirties before I got to that point. And really, I think a lot of that was just sort of necessity at some point where I was like, okay, I got, I got bills and I need to, I need to take care of things. And so I have to develop that. But as a kid, I, you know, I wasn't a bad student. I was a decent student. I I wasn't afraid to work, you know. But the only thing I've really busted my ass with and I truly had a dedication to the craft was sports. So for me, it was sports instead of music. It was like I I'd be the last guy in the batting cage every single day you know and i would be the first i would be the the one running the extra miles during cross-country season on the weekend um doing all the right things for my body uh that that that's where i channeled it but it wasn't like a natural i don't know like i say i talked to some people who just have it like they just want to bust their ass all the time like they just they're working all the time doesn't matter what it is they want to work and for me it feels like similar to what you're saying it had to be focused on a specific thing and that specific thing to me had to be fulfilling like it had to the work had to matter to me 100% i
1: I've, I've always had this issue of just not being able to focus on something that i wasn't really into and actually i when i was a kid i was actually very into sports also oh nice hockey and and, and that was that was something else that i put a lot of a lot of uh, time and work into because i did love it a lot um, but yeah, if it's, if it's, if it's something I'm not interested in, it's very, very hard for me to focus unless it's to meet ends. Like you're talking, i mean, I to have a family now, so I do have to make money. So there are times when I have to just buckle down and do whatever I need to do. Right. Um, but, uh, but it's a challenge. And so, uh, yeah. I didn't have like the older brother either. I had friends with the key older brother who had the record collection and they had, they had all the cooler records before I did. Mm. Um, I kind of just started, um, you know, I, like I, I wanted to play drums. I didn't have any drums. I, I was, I would just start to put together, put together, uh, a, a kit with, you know, like Frisbees and trash can lids and things like that. And then, um, and then uh, just building it up to be as, as close as possible because I didn't have any money. I was like nine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh,
0: nine, no work ethic, no <laughs> no way to go out there and make money.
1: Right. right. <laughs> uh, and um, but my mother, I guess she recognized that. I mean, there was sort of this dynamic where, you know, like, like I mentioned, my parents, all of a sudden it was my mother and me mostly. And mm-hmm. I guess she recognized that I was into this. And so she wanted to try to help me fill the hole that she knew was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she went out and somewhere, somehow bought, found a snare drum with a symbol on it. So I had this like prized possession to go with my Frisbees and the trash canons. I had an actual drum and that was exciting. And then somewhere I managed to get hold of a floor Tom and eventually I had a whole kit, but um, I did have, to piece it together and figure out how to do this on my own but it was very rewarding i mean i felt like you know i mean it may as well have been like an alex van halen kit to me just having two or uh, three drums there you know what i mean yeah yeah it pretty exciting
0: man it, you just mentioned like it, it can come up in all kinds of contexts that idea of holes and having to and f- needing to fill those holes for you it was this family situation that that you found yourself in for other folks, it could be, like for me, it was sports ending. You know, once my baseball career was over, trying to find trying to, you know, as Towns Van Zant says, we all got holes to fill them, holes is all that's real. like it, when when you have those holes, finding have finding healthy outlets to 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 fill those holes is so important as a young person. And so often, if you don't have the guidance of someone, pointing you in the right direction it can turn to alcohol or drugs or whatever the thing is that's uh self-loathing whatever it is you know but it's great that your that your mom had recognized that and had that music there and encouraged that that's a really cool that's a gift yeah looking back on it
1: she let me have the furnace room all to myself um <laughs> and I can play there as loud and as much as I wanted and I also used to put, I mean I guess a lot of kids did this but uh you know put together microphone stand and out of a hockey stick and stuff and just leap around the uh the living room to records and play them really loud and lipped around and she was she had no problems with it which is pretty cool and then later in high school when i had an actual band and we'd play in the basement and um and it was so loud in our house and looking back i i don't understand how she put up with it because i remember like we'd just be playing away and I'd go upstairs to get something, and she'd be lying there like on the couch trying to watch TV. And it was just so loud because the other guys were still down there playing. And I just, and um, <laughs> I've, 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 I thank her every time I see her still for putting up with that
0: because yeah. it couldn't have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks, mom. Um, yeah. So if we could, I want to dive into the record a little bit, but before we do that, we, we got to the place where you're in New York and now you're, you're in Nashville. How did you, how did that journey happen? How did you end up in, in music city? Well,
1: I was in New York, uh, a total of about eight, eight or nine years.
0: Okay. Significant amount of time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, at the time it felt for me like it kind of ran its course mm. um you probably i don't know i found this after it seems like a lot of a lot of people moved there in their 20s and by their 30s they're kind of gone yeah i didn't think about it that way at all but mm-hmm. when i look back now all, all the friends i had that were there and whatnot the only ones that are still there are the ones that actually are from there everybody else just kind of moved on through mm-hmm But I just, I just, you know, it was starting to get a little more expensive and I wasn't, and I didn't actually move to Nashville. I moved to Austin, Texas. Right. And that was, uh, that was just on the recommendation of a friend and I went down there to check it out and I, I I liked it a lot. So I moved down and I, I I fell in love with Austin, Texas in the time I was there, completely unexpected. Like I would have never thought that I would have ended up there. And, um, and that was about 7 7 or 8 years too and then i moved here because uh there were a couple of reasons i was i was starting to i understood there was a different world going on up here with regards to songwriting and publishing and people being able to like publish their songs and and maybe just get paid to write songs or their catalog would be actually worth you know The catalog had actually worked for them i didn't know too much about how that worked but i wanted to see and then i had a and then i was starting a tour in texas a fair bit which was going well and then i um there was a booking agency that was based near here that that was interested in working with me and i was all into that and they wanted to you know they'd be able to book me all over the southeast and stuff so i moved up here to kind of work with them and to see about the publishing stuff
0: all right so you've lived in three of america's greatest music cities new york austin nashville three yeah. of the the places that people go to to make music people go to listen to music three of the great music cities of those three which one musically was the most sort of has been the most sort of nurturing for you or the most fulfilling for you creatively that's a good question.
1: Um I would say <laughs> well, I have to say the music the level of musicianship in Nashville is the best I've seen anywhere in the world. In just terms in terms of like the baseline level of people making music here is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. you get spoiled here and forget sometimes you go when you go out elsewhere you, and you just see people you just realize how spoiled we are here with the level of musicianship so i have to say that that that's really something special um austin was a really special place and i and i, and I really absorbed uh texas music and the and the and the history of music from texas and and uh and uh what can i say it just kind of it just kind of it's in the wind there and you just it's really special and um and i really loved i really loved what i learned about music living in texas but and i feel like but i feel like i kind of got better once i got to nashville like i sort Mm. of took all that and then managed to i don't know uh, reflect on it and kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for kind of well marinate in it there you go Um, and um I mean, I'd say I'd say really a combination of the two. And New York was amazing also, you know, but entirely different. But all all three are very exciting. You're right. Like, I mean, they're they're very good places to 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 play music and learn about music and be a musician. You know, you can't go wrong with any of them.
0: Yeah, they're three of my favorite cities I've been to in the world. Um, and as much as I can, I mean, they're places I, I revisit as often as possible. I was in Austin. no i guess yeah it was last last march like for the south by southwest edu for the educational south by southwest i was out there for four or five days and it's just everything it just it's in the air there's something about that place and americana fest a couple years ago in nashville again just these moments where i'm like we're pretty fortunate here in orlando we have like a underappreciated in, um, music scene, but when you go to those places, you know, you feel just that there's a difference. Um, is there like, so like, cause what I'm picturing and and then I know this is true for some of our guests and our friends, um, like for example, your album release show, if I'm not mistaken, you had our friend Lainey Jones, um, played that night as, and I, I, I see the names on these bills when people are playing, um, is it the romantic version of Nashville that I picture and I read about, like, are you constantly going over to folks' houses and like swapping ideas and picking and sitting in with people, you know, when they're playing shows, that kind of thing? Well, that definitely
1: happens. I don't do as much of that as I probably would like to. Um, again, cause you know, I have a family and there's yeah. just, I just can't. I can't do that as much as i'd like to but it if you ask other people the answer would be yes you know yeah i do and i have gone over to laney and brian's house and hung out and jammed and they've come over here and i mean it happens and whenever i whenever i'm part of things like that i just think god i wish wish there's a way i could just be this is just i know how cool this is and in austin it was like that um but yeah i know uh i know there's a lot of that because everybody lives close together here you know it's small Mm -hmm. And, you know, 95% of the musicians that I know live basically in one of two areas, which are right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's easy to get around and hang out with people. And then all the venues are all in the same kind of area, too, for the most part. So,
0: yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be around that creative energy. Um, you know, my partner's a visual artist and a woodworker, and she does painting and woodworking and all these amazing things sculpting and uh, she's also a singer and so like right now she's making stuff you know and so like just being around that energy makes such a big difference so it's it's cool that you have it kind of uh, in spades there. The, we're running out of time since we are a DIY operation and we don't pay for Zoom but I I uh, I, I did want to ask you about my my favorite song on the record is the title track, Power Up. And uh I I think it just like I don't, it just gets me in a good place. It gets me in a good headspace. And so I just wanted to ask you about that particular song, how it came together, and uh, you know, how, how you end up deciding for it to to lead off the, the record and be the title track.
1: Yeah, well, that was like I say, that was the first song we did. And essentially I I was over there hanging out, and Scott came downstairs and he has bass in his one hand, a little amp or his base over his shoulder and his amp in his hand. And he said, uh, he said, OK, so yesterday I, I we took an old TV to the got it to the repair place, to try to get it fixed. And the guy kept saying, uh, man, he kept plugging in. He said, man, it just won't power up. It just won't power up. <laughs> and uh, he said, so I think we got to do something with that. I said, oh, OK. Um, and so. <laughs> I don't know. We just, we just very quickly said, it's gotta be this funky thing. And the chorus is just going to say, power up. We're just going to (laughs) say power up. up." And then we're each going to write a verse and then, uh, well, no, first he just got behind his drums. He turned on all his recording equipment. He got behind his drums. Uh, and, uh, I picked up his guitar and he turned on his stuff and we just jammed. He just found a groove and we just jammed for about 15, 20 minutes. And I was trying to, come up with a riff and then like a counter riff over it and we just did that and then he said okay you you write a verse and i'll write a verse and come over in a couple days and we'll each sing the verse i said okay so we each had a verse his was the first verse mine was the second verse Hmm. and he sang his and then i sang mine and originally we we thought "Well, well we'll record this and it'll be like the two of us our song kind of and then and then uh and then we ended up using the all the different attempts at making the riff ended up being in the song and it just never really got settled. It just ended up like that. It was much more exciting. And then, once we started doing other songs, it was actually him that said, Hey, we should, you should put this on your record. I said, really? And he said, yeah, just, just sing the first verse and it'll just be yours. And I said, okay, sure. And so we did that. And then my idea was just to have it be the last song on the record. Just like almost like remember in the days when, cds first came out and they were so long that there'd be like hidden bonus tracks yeah yeah to fill up to 74 minutes or, and then there'd be like three minutes of silence and then this little song yeah out. uh-huh we we're gonna leave the silence but i thought it would just be the last song and that we'd call the album that and it would just be kind of quirky and then it wasn't until like got to the very end probably i don't know once once we were mastering it where i just thought you know this song really needs to be first it just needs to be the first song like it's just so different and it's it grabs you in and you know, it might, some people might not like it. Some people might really like it, it. And, uh, it, it just seems to be an attention getter. So we just decided to make it the first record or the first song.
0: That's great, yeah. man. Yeah. I, man, I haven't thought about the hidden tracks on CDs in a long time. I'm not usually nostalgic for the past. I, I think we're better off as a society now than we were when, uh, CDs had hidden tracks, but I, uh, <laughs> I do miss, I do think there. I'm somewhat nostalgic for those. Like I remember Green Day's Dookie had one. And then there was like a Gary Allen record was the first country record that I remember having one. Um, there was something kind of fun and like mysterious about that. Um, all right, so we only have two minutes left. Rapid fire, uh, what are you getting down on? What's the music or art that has you inspired at the moment? I've been on a massive Thin Lizzy kick for about a year, year
1: and a half now. Okay. Too far from it. In between that and uh, Kathleen
0: Edwards also, I've been listening to a ton and I'd say probably those two
1: been the thing lately
0: i'm glad you said that because thin is one of those bands i just don't know that well like i every time i listen i go oh yeah i should do a dive into this this is this this is my shit and and then kathleen edwards is a name that comes up all the time that i just don't know anything about i just i'm just kathleen kathleen edwards dumb so i'll fix that yeah cool David, this has been a pleasure, man. Thank you for sticking with me on all of this and rescheduling and being such a, such a sweetheart. I, I really appreciate it. Your record's wonderful and uh, all of your records are wonderful. And this particular one has been a big part of my life over the, the last uh, month or two. And I'm just really, really thankful for your time and energy, man.
1: Well, thanks Jason. I really appreciate it. And the podcast is really cool and I appreciate you having me on it. And
0: Thank you. Dude. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I, I, Every I really appreciate it. It always blows my mind that people people care and they do and I'm really grateful. David Newbold, y'all. Thank you so much, David. Thank all of you for listening. DavidNewbold.com for all things David Newbold, including that wonderful record we spent so much time talking about, Power Up. The song you're hearing in this episode is the title track from that album, The Whole Thing is Killer. Go out and get you a copy, davidnewbold.com, marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, which needs to be updated, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We love interacting on those channels. I'm especially active on Twitter, but if you send me a message uh, or, or tag the show or uh, you know retweet, whatever you do, I'm going to see it on any of those channels, and I really appreciate all those interactions. I really appreciate the love that y'all give the show. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making The Marinade. We have a brand new just have two episodes so far, monthly show called What We're Getting Down On, which is a conversation between myself and my great friend, Peter Haroldson. The first episode is available for free at patreon.com slash marinade podcast or in your normal marinade podcast feed. We also just released episode two yesterday. Uh, Episode two, they were both a blast. Episode two was so much fun. We were just... We had too much fun. It, Peter is an incredible human being and so creative and so funny. He talked about it, one of his favorite comic book writers. And I talked about Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which is one of my favorite records from last year. And I kind of wanted to talk about just hip hop in general and what that's looked like in my life um, and how different I, my consumption of hip hop is now versus how it was when I was a kid. I, I think y'all are going to dig it. We're having a blast making it. We hope you're enjoying listening. That's at patreon.com slash marinade podcast if you're interested and can swing it. I also have a show called Inner Child where I've been asking our guests to stick around for a little bit after the feature episode and just I'd ask them childlike questions. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite TV show? Stuff like that. And it's just a, a way to be a little bit sillier. The marinade can get heavy sometimes, right? That's just the nature of me and the, and the show. And so Inner Child is a chance to just kind of get silly. And uh, I'm really having fun with that as well. We have two of those episodes up. So there's a lot of stuff over on Patreon that I think you'll dig. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, which is what Patreon is, you can Venmo or PayPal us at The Marinade. All the money goes right back into the show. And I really appreciate everybody who supports us in that way. But I also am just thankful that you're listening, right? So this show will always be... Free and uh, available for you on your normal podcast feed, whatever app you prefer. And I'm just so thankful that y'all listen and you spread the word and we continue to have these amazing opportunities. I just recorded with Justin Wells last night and I got to see him open for Lucero here in Orlando. Amazing night, a Sunday night early show, so much fun. Justin is an incredible performer, an amazing songwriter and just a dear, sweet, kind guy. Like he came over to the house and, you know, I I feel like it's, it's, it uh, tells you a lot about a person when you see them interact with someone's pets, right? Especially dogs. (laughs) And I'm partial to dogs, of course, you know, I love my dogs, but conundrum can be a handful, right? He can be a challenge. And uh, Justin was just super mindful of that and was very patient with him and sweet to him. And, it just showed a lot of his character last night, um, and also we just recorded the most killer episode. So we got some other cool things in the works, some stuff I can't tell you about uh, necessarily yet, although I did maybe leak that. leak some pretty big news on what we're getting down on episode two last night over on Patreon, but with just so many great things. Justin, that episode with Justin's on the way. I'm going to record with Sammy K later this week. Really excited for that. And uh, just, again, really grateful that y'all continue to support the show, continue to spread the word about the show. Thank you so much. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.